Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic with me, Marcus Stead, and veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins, as usual. It's now less than a week to go until polling day, and over the next 20 minutes, me and Greg will take stock of the situation. Greg, by this time next week, the election will have taken place, and as we're recording this late on Friday evening, the latest poll has come out, and it shows much the same pattern we've seen in recent weeks. Now, we talked last week about how the support for the smaller parties, the Lib Dems and Brexit, was falling away, and the main beneficiaries of that are the Conservative and the Labour parties. There hasn't been very much change at all in the polls. The Conservatives have gone up a little bit. The Brexit party has fallen back a little bit. Do you stand by our our predictions? Because I've been saying right the way through this campaign, I think we're heading for a Conservative majority of about 80. You said uh, last week, you thought, I think from memory, you said in the 40 to 60 sort of region. Where do you think we are now with less than a week to go until polling day? I say the 40 to 60 region, and um, I'm inclined to stick there because there is a lot of bullying of Labour voters going on. There is a great deal of publicity for, in favour of Corbyn coming out of the media, who, whether they're doing it so that there is the problem of a hung parliament and they don't have to do too much work to write a a story, um, they can just continue as they were, reporting the squabblings of a hung parliament, or because, for some extraordinary reason, they find it easier to deal with a Labour government because it's joke after joke. Well, I I think there may be another agenda at play here. Now, there have been problems with institutional bias at the BBC for as long as I can remember. It was going on before I was born. It was going on when I was working there in the mid to late 2000s. And it it was there throughout the EU referendum campaign. But I think what has happened in the three years since is that that has largely intensified. And there's there's been this sort of stroppy, throw the toys out the pram attitude towards Brexit supporters in general across the BBC's output. Um, Any bit of good economic news is described as despite Brexit. The terminology crash out without a deal is used frequently. There's an increasing amount of mixing up of um, opinion and fact in um, the analysis political reporters offer. But one of the things that struck me about this campaign is Channel 4 News has been in decline for some considerable time, going back 15 years at least, I would say. Uh, It was a a respectable programme in the era when the late Peter Sissons anchored it in the 1980s. But during this election campaign, um, Channel 4 News has been caught out a number of times. And We've had this incident today with the uh, the Boris Johnson interview, which uh, the Boris Johnson video rather, which wasn't as they described, should we say? Well, firstly, it's incumbent on a news organisation to check its facts. Um, it looks all too much as if they thought they could get away with doctoring a piece of news to show Boris Johnson in a bad light. But we do know that Channel Four News is. Um, a scurrilous organisation, if it isn't chasing fanatical feminism with people like Kathy Newman, um, it's taking a perverse and perverted attitude towards the electorate. Yes, and can I stop you there, please, because something important happened today and that um, Robbie Gibb, he was the producer of the Daily Politics from memory, uh, he's now a senior advisor with the global strategic communications firm Kext CNC. Uh, former director of communications at number 10 Downing Street. 
and actually looking at his job title, former head of BBC Westminster. So yes, the fact he used to produce the Daily Politics makes sense. But he's put on Twitter today, this is his words, Channel 4 News revealed yet again to have a total disregard for impartiality. Less than a week before the election, they have been caught doctoring footage to smear the PM as a racist. The head of Channel 4 should go on Channel 4 News tonight to make a public apology. Now, I didn't watch Channel 4 News tonight, but I'd be willing to bet good money that did not happen. I don't watch Channel 4 um, any night. Um, Come to that, I don't watch the BBC either. Hmm. It's a rare occasion for when I feel obliged to watch it for other people's benefit. But I've not seen anything on anything to do with the BBC of any damned use for years because I don't trust it. Uh, It's much too busy peddling propaganda. Yes, and the BBC News has seen a 56% drop in viewing figures since 2014 and a 19% drop in the last year. And I look at um, I look at the the Barb figures, which are released. They release the top fifteen for each channel every week. The six o'clock news sometimes gets around about six million viewers. The ten o'clock news certainly falls below four million viewers most of the time. And I think people are increasingly looking elsewhere for their news and consuming news in different ways. I think that the BBC's reputation, which look as I m- mentioned earlier, there has long been a problem of lack of impartiality but people are seeing it for what it is now in increasing numbers there's far too much mixing up of fact and opinion every time it rains for more than a day or two we get a story about flooding and climate change now we're all going to be living underwater before much longer if it's sunny for a few days again we get another uh, story about climate change they can't just give a straightforward facts and analysis there's a straight there's a real sense that bbc news is working to an agenda but i want to move the discussion on now a little bit because um, i was chatting the other day to one of our regular listeners uh, nick rabbits um, who's originally from the lancashire area but is now a, a journalist in limerick in the republic of ireland now nick and i nick's a good lad but we don't agree on politics very much Um, But he's a traditional Labour voter and he's got a good moral compass on him and he's not been impressed with what he's seen of Jeremy Corbyn. How can, not saying Nick so much because he'll make make up his own mind when push comes to shove, but people in general who do have a good sense of right and wrong uh, would normally vote Labour and are decent people and can see what's going on with anti-Semitism and the Marxist ideology of Corbyn. What would you say to persuade them to finally break the habit of a lifetime on this occasion and vote elsewhere? And there's a second part of that question. If they feel they really can't support the Conservative Party, where would you advise them to put their vote? I find the statement, um, he's a good journalist, he's a Labour supporter, and he has a sound moral compass, totally tautologous. Go on. You'll be listening to this, mind. You're you're contradicting yourself in three directions at once. Um, There's been some terrific journalists on the left historically. People like Paul Foote did some great investigative journalism. uh, Yes. Um, We are talking a very very long time ago. Hmm. We are talking of somebody who was doing investigative journalism, not the journalism of today, which is opinion-forming journalism. Uh, Journalism has moved dramatically. The journalists of old who used to do in-depth 
um, investigation are no longer. There just isn't a job for them anymore. Um, there aren't any in the main newsrooms of newspapers. It's gossip and immediacy that is the order of the day. Yeah, and I see this time and time again now. There is no room for a seven-day news cycle, which the, the old news of the world used to have, where the, the, you know, you'd have seven days to put a paper together and say what you like about the news of the screws, but some of their investigative journalism was absolutely top-notch over many, many years. There is, And even on television now, Panorama is a shell of the programme it once was. Channel 4 Dispatches has been watered down. There isn't a programme like World in Action on ITV. There is, again, World in Action, OK, it was Granada for ITV. It, it was a left-leaning programme, you could argue, but it did a huge amount of good insofar as investigative journalism goes. It, it exposed all sorts of things over a very long period of time. But all that sort of thing is gone now. And yes, but, but hang on. It's not just in news. Hmm. Um, we have um, the wildlife programmes of David Attenborough. They're, not any, they're very little to do with wildlife. You don't actually learn much about animals. You get glossy pictures and solid propaganda. Yeah, and I think a lot of what we see with David Attenborough is some very good camera work and so forth. He is ends up taking the credit and people say, wasn't that David Attenborough programme good? Well, it was so far as the camera work goes, but the praise for that belongs to the cameraman and various members of the production team. But you are right, it gets mixed up with propaganda. But let's get this back on track a little bit. People who would normally vote Labour, we can talk to Nick and you can address Nick if you want to, but address the Labour voters who don't feel comfortable with the direction their party has gone in. What should they do this time? Well, I think they should withhold their vote because, uh, firstly, it is unlikely at this stage that Corbyn um, and the Labour Party, uh, with their odious uh, momentum swing and its bullying and unpleasantness, its utter incompetence of its potential Home Secretary, the lack of education of many of those who will be running this huge corporation called Britain if they were to win, um, the complete lack of understanding of the fact that capitalism is what actually puts jobs out in the marketplace and the opportunity to earn money, and that the policies they hold are just borrowing to the hilt until they collapse like every previous Labour government in history, um, in financial ruin, with more unemployed when they leave than when they came into office, without exception. And But what and, should they do with their vote? This is the, this is the big and, thing now. You've only got a week to decide. And therefore... If they cannot vote for the majority view and in favour of democracy to carry Brexit forward, I believe that they should act with integrity and withhold their vote completely. But please go to the polling station and please fill in your ballot paper and put on it words to the effect of, sorry, can't vote Tory. So I think this election then, for a lot of people, is a case of choosing the least worst option. And I think Boris Johnson and his Conservative Party will gain votes from people who know that he has a very strange relationship with the truth, 
know that he is quite an evasive character, know that they don't really trust him as such, but they fear, and I don't use that word lightly, they fear a Corbyn government. Now, we're recording this not long at all after the, the last of the head-to-head -head TV debates had taken place in Maidstone in Kent. And I sat through that hour, and it sounded very scripted, very formulaic, and neither Johnson nor Corbyn said anything I haven't heard before. I learned nothing in that hour. I don't have a huge amount of confidence in either of them. But, point one, I want Brexit delivered. I can live with Boris Johnson's deal. Point two, I think he would have to see that through if he wins a majority of any sort next week. And point three, the prospect of Corbyn in Downing Street... John McDonnell as Chancellor, Diane Abbott as Home Secretary, Angela Rayner as England's Education Secretary. I find that quite terrifying, to be honest. Well, as a front bench, um, Corbyn's crew are, are absolutely risible. They haven't got a single solitary policy that they can actually stack up to make any damn sense for the country. As for Johnson and his questionable honesty i'm not sure he's that questionable um yes he in the job of filling in newspaper column inches uh, treated it in a somewhat cavalier manner but his articles were erudite amusing and most of the time fairly well informed but he also was sacked for making up quotes and he, he was caught on audio threatening to have some uh, Darius Guppy beaten up so there was that aspect to him as well there are also things his, his track record as mayor of London yes there were some very real achievements but we also had the garden bridge stuff going on uh, which ended up wasting millions and millions of pounds um, we don't know how many children he's fathered we know he mo moved care. positions well his track record with truth has been very strange over many years, but he, to me, he is the least worst option, and that really is what this comes down to now. He has achieved what he said he would, which was a deal. may not be ideal, but it is a deal. We have Corbyn, who hasn't got a clue what he wants to achieve, can't tell people what he's trying to achieve, can't find enough people to make a matchbox, leave alone a cabinet. And he hasn't got given any indication who who in that cabinet lineup might front the negotiations for a Brexit agreement. He hasn't been able to outline what it is. He hasn't got a clue which way he's going to vote because he wants to be all things to all men because he knows that that which he really believes in, which has been consistently failing to do anything about anti-Semitism, the utter, utterly corrupt concept of employing Chakrabarti to do a, rep a report on anti-Semitism and how they dealt with it, and because she put out an incredible piece of whitewash that nobody believed for one moment, she got a seat in the House of Lords. And, you know, this, as a government, you have got to be joking. Anybody who votes Labour should look very hard at themselves in a mirror, in my opinion. At least with Boris Johnson in government, he takes a hard line. This is what we believe in. And if you're not prepared to support that, sorry, you can't be a candidate. Um, I'm stating it openly at the beginning because we gave an undertaking to the uh, electorate that whatever they voted for 
irrevocably the government would implement. Not think about, tell us all we're idiots and prove that they are such idiots they cannot even make their mind up on which way they're going to vote when it comes to a second referendum, which is farcical. I don't think you have a choice. Either vote to carry forward the undertaking of the pol of our politicians who promised to carry out the majority vote, which was to leave the European Union. It included leave the customs union. It included leaving the open market. It included everything aligned with leave the European Union. What we've seen in the last couple of weeks is Boris Johnson continually avoid being grilled by Andrew Neil on BBC One Prime Time. Now, Andrew Neil did the last of his one-on-one -on -one leader interviews. I think they've been very good overall. I wish they were quarter an hour longer or perhaps even half an hour longer, like we used to get 30, 40 years ago before elections. But half an hour on Prime Time TV with Andrew Neil. Boris Johnson has avoided that. Um, there's been one excuse after another, we can't arrange the location or the time, yet he mysteriously finds time to go on um, the, the sort of sofa shows like This Morning with Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. Last time Boris Johnson appeared with Andrew Neil was in the Conservative Leadership Contest where there was a similar format, a half-hour uh, interview, uh, him one night, uh, Jeremy Hunt, his opponent, the other. And... Boris Johnson did the, did the thing he often did. He played the bumbling Boris card and he was filibustering and Andrew Neil was having none of it. And he kept pulling him back and he kept... Attention to detail is not one of Boris Johnson's strong points and that really came across in that last interview we did during the Conservative Leadership Contest. Do you agree with me that it is frankly outrageous that Boris Johnson will not sit down with Andrew Neil, who of the current generation of interviewers is by far the most forensic and who operates outside of the sort of BBC groupthink. What worries me about these um, interviews as such is it's becoming personality cult. Uh, the fact that um, Jeremy Corbyn's so bloody awful um, is what has guaranteed that the Labour Party won't get a majority in the election, in my opinion. Um, I think that because it's so personality cult, I can understand where the Tory party were coming from in not fielding Boris. He's proved to be a good leader of the Tory party. Um, he's proved that in political terms, he will do everything he can to deliver what he says he will. But he is also somebody who can be much too easily lampooned. And he has in his um, cartoon character life um, fallen into the same trap as Alec Douglas Hume in that he provided much, much too much material for the cartoonists of the media. Andrew Neil is a good interviewer, but I think he would have dwelt far too much on history and not enough on the present term. I think he's a little bit too much of a personality these days. Um, no, I think that Boris uh, played it right. Um, I'm not happy that we didn't get it to happen, but I think in political terms, he did the right thing. My thanks as always to Greg and my thanks to you for listening. And before I sign off this week, I just want to 
appeal to the people who live in Labour heartlands or those who habitually vote Labour at every election. During the course of the last few weeks, we've seen the sheer toxicity of Jeremy Corbyn's brand of politics. The anti-Semitism, which he was given four opportunities to apologise for during the Andrew Neil interview and failed to do so. The abusive behaviour of momentum activists on social media. The quotes we've seen over many years from John McDonnell and Diane Abbott. Take a moment to think about it. Is this really worse than a Conservative government led by Boris Johnson? Ask yourself that question today, and every day between now and the election. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.